Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. Normally, we are broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios, and I am Miss Shannon. That has not changed, but we do have two sparkly changes that are going on today, and so I'm going to go through each of the sparkly changes. First, as I said, we normally are from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. We are not doing that today. Instead, we are at Convergence 2019. Convergence 2019. Give it a shout. We hear all of our con mates are here in this wonderful, wonderful ballroom with us. I am very happy to be part of this. This is actually the first convergence that we have been blessed to do this podcast at. So thank you very much for joining us, all of you. Go ahead and make some noise. Give yourselves a round of applause. The other sparkly change is normally I am uh, welcoming uh, my co-host, Jayton Satia, who is also the executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest, to be on BR Geek with me. He is my podcast life mate, and we are very good friends, but he is traveling. And so, instead of Jayton Satia, I am very fortunate to have a good friend. He is definitely uh, the definition of a renaissance man. He is uh, also uh, my uh, replacement uh, podcast life mate today, uh, the very amazing Taylor Cisco. Give it up for Taylor. Again. For those of you who are not familiar with Taylor Cisco, he has been our BR Geek before. He has also been um, our fill-in host when we are doing our broadcast from Console Room, the local uh, fan-driven Doctor Who convention here in the Twin Cities. He is an author. He is a singer-songwriter. He is a trivia host, and we are going to cover all of those things. How is your con going, Commander Cisco? Oh, that's oh, just Commander. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to prefer Fleet Admiral. No, um, oh, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Yes. No, it's been it's been a good con so far. Okay, it's been really good. So to, to remind everybody, if you're not familiar with Convergence, for anybody who's listening to BR Geek and we haven't talked about this before, is Convergence started in 1999. It is one of the largest fan-run cons in the country at this point, and definitely the a model for this type of con here in the Midwest. And so I've been coming now. I think I was trying to do the math. I'm up to 10 years. How long have oh, you wow. been coming? I think this is just my seventh year. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I think that part of what we're going to cover today is we're going to give a little bit of background about why we do go to these kind of cons and kind of give people an idea of what to expect if they decide to come to one of these fan-run cons. Because I kind of feel like laymen who don't come to these go, oh, I don't know. And I saw little pieces of what it looks like if I was in New York or if I went to, like, one of those Wizard World things. This is a completely different animal. So so we like to talk about that. And also because of the uh, type of panels that Mr. Cisco and I have a tendency to be on, we do have a tendency to talk about a lot of the inclusion aspects of what is going on in the fandom. So that is part of what we're going to cover today. Is that okay with you, Taylor? Absolutely. So Taylor, how many panels have you been on so far during this con? Uh, well, it's only day two, so my number's a little bit low. I think I've done four panels so far. Okay. Okay, yes, he boy. said a little low, and then the people that are in the audience <laughs> kind of started laughing because that is quite a hefty uh, panel schedule. So what have you been on so far, Taylor? Oh, boy. Uh, put me here. Uh, so we did a panel uh, that was addressing uh, affordable cosplay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cosplay on budgets and different te- tips and techniques for how to make some really cool costumes, how to find really cool costumes and different props. Uh, I was on the Orville Season 2 panel. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which was just discussing Orville Season 2. I just finished the uh, Toxicity in Fandom panel. Oh, what was that? Or, or rather, Detoxifying. So it was about kind of the toxic elements 
of uh, just fandom in general and some of the, the ways to identify it, some of the causes that may or may not be behind it, and probably most importantly, some of the ways that we can address those, those issues that lend the toxic elements to fandoms and how we can kind of eradicate it and some different strategies uh, therein. And I was on a similar panel, and so we actually were talking about how we can adapt and change and how these fandoms have evolved uh, over time, you know, not only here at Convergence, but in general, and how we can make them more inclusive. And I think that that is something that you and I have a tendency to be on those kind of panels for multiple reasons, because of what we do out in the real world and also because of the way that we interact with these particular fandoms. And that's something that I am very happy and proud to be a part of um, as someone who's been in a number of these fandoms for so many years. Um, what's your opinion on have we made have we made a lot of strides in those kind of inclusivity issues or is there still a ton of work to be done? Uh, I, I think the answer to both of those is yes. Okay. Like We have made some strides. There's still a long way to go. Uh, even within not just the general fandom as a whole, but even within just Convergence as an event, uh, there's definitely some growing pains, but we are growing uh, and moving in the right direction, and I think that's admirable. And then the, the most important element, too, is that the organizers and the participants, it does feel uh, as if they're actually listening and learning from the things that are said in the dais of the various panels and applying those both to the event and then also at the, as, uh, within the fandom as a whole. And I agree with you with that as well. As somebody who, you know, I remember my mom taking me to a con when I was a little kid and going, okay, we clearly are the quote-unquote onlys at this time. And that was part of where we were, the part of the country that we were growing up in because I grew up in Arizona, so I think that that was part of that mechanism. But then when I moved to Minnesota, I had I, this, this misconception that things were going to be easier here, and then I found that they weren't. And I was actually kind of surprised with how homogenous the fandoms were here. And it did seem that it took quite a lot of poking to be able to find space in the fandoms here. And I'm not sure, you know, and, and, and Taylor, what do you think? Is that kind of a mechanism of the Midwest or a mechanism of the way fandoms are working? Uh, oh, unfortunately, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think the upper Midwest especially, so I'm originally from Chicago, uh, which is also Midwest, but it's kind of a different type of Midwest, uh, a lot more contemporary, oh, I shouldn't say more, I don't want to insult any of your <laughs> local <laughs> listeners, but it's a very contemporary, uh, comparatively uh, progressive city in many ways, uh, and the cultures reflect that both in fandom and just the city a at large, but I think also the fandoms themselves, there is, because there is so much change happening, uh, for better or worse, there's a lot of pushback from within those fandoms. And a lot of it is honest, just kind of fear of change. But there's definitely a darker element, which I think is unfortunately not the minority opinion of, of many of the people doing that pushback. There's sort of this protectiveness that's coming out of these insecurities, and those need to be addressed. And then when you start to address them, that Midwest kicks in where it's really hard to infiltrate the groups that are making these issues to start having the dialogue where they feel attacked, and so they start becoming even more closed off and exclusionary. Fair enough. And I think that, you know, one of the big changes that happened with Convergence this year is that we did relocate. We were in a suburb. We were over in Bloomington, and now we are in downtown Minneapolis and in a larger hotel. And I think that that was part of the reason why that change was encouraged is to go, okay, we need to shake off some of those uh, previous preconceptions we had, but we actually were physically outgrowing that particular space, and it was not conducive to trying to engage additional people into the fandom. And so now that we're here, um, 
I know that a lot of people are like, oh, no, we're going to move downtown and it's going to be more expensive to park. And, and uh, you know, as you said, Taylor, change is hard. Like nobody seems to like welcome change, but I am enjoying it thus far. So far, we're two days in. Right. Absolutely. So what are you thinking? I mean, I, I love the new space. It does definitely take some getting used to. Got to find some new landmarks. Uh, <laughs> the party room situation is definitely a lot more complex to navigate than at the previous hotel. But there's one element that hasn't really been discussed a lot with the new hotel. In addition to like, yeah, we have more food options and we have more uh, options for getting around and what to do with your downtime if you can find any. But just like from an accessibility standpoint, the old location was kind of isolated. Like right. it was a close suburb. But as far as like methods of transportation to get there, there was sort of this level of privilege that was kind of assumed that you had to have. Like, you had to have someone to either drop you off or you had to drive. There wasn't a lot of public transportation. The accessibility, as far as people with different needs, uh, was not super great, whereas now we're right in the middle of the largest city in the state, and so we have tons of transportation options for every economic level. We have tons of accessibility uh, accommodations that were already there. Like, the, the, the organizi organizers of the event didn't have to do much as far as making sure that all the attendees were uh, being attended to. And, and that's fantastic. And I think, again, that change comes. We, we hear this is going to be different. This is going to right. be new. And there's a lot of us that immediately bristle because we're immediately thinking, well, how is this going to impact me? But then convergence, I think, what's the average attendance? 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. Right. It's not just me. There's so many other people. And so once we take that step back, even if it's just for a nanosecond, and realize, like, oh, okay, so, yeah, con's a little different. I'm going to feel a little bit awkward because now I have to pay for parking or because I have to drive into the downtown Minneapolis. But, whoa, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of other congoers that are going to have a much more positive or even just basically an easier experience, and they'll have just as much enjoyment as I have, where my modification is a minor inconvenience at best. For them, this is a godsend because a lot of people can attend that otherwise couldn't or it would be prohibitively challenging for them to do so before. The other thing that I'm enjoying, and I, I think we should back up a little bit and kind of explain the difference between going to something like Convergence or even when we were, uh, when I ran into you last time uh, at Console Room, when you hear about these fan-driven cons and what the expectation is about being part of this community, I'm not sure that everybody really understands why you go to this. I know when I tell people I'm going to the science fiction and fantasy convention and they go, they whatever their particular preconception is about geekdom, they latch onto that. So it's always very one-dimensional. It's like, well, everybody will be dressed up as Star Trek, or it must just be you and your Lord of the Rings friends. Or like, And so I do think it's really interesting when you start going, no, I'm not only on these... The, the pillars of geekdom type of panels, but to explain to people, no, I was on a Great British Bake Show panel, or I'm going to be talking about Archer um, tomorrow, or even the the social type of uh, panels that were on, like where you were talking about toxicity and panels, and you and I were on a, an Afrofuturism panel, the broad panels that people get to uh, be a part of in these type of things, I think have changed a lot over the years. Um, and I don't know about you, but I do feel like there are a lot more um, opportunities to create discussion points now and not just rehash what particular episodes of our favorite shows. <laughs> you know, it's not always, let's talk about this comic book again. That happens as well. But there are a lot more, I believe, opportunities to talk about, you know, even though we love some of these things, how do we reconcile the fact that we find some of the subject matter problematic or there might have been historical constructs that we know now we don't 
uh, they're not okay at this point in this juncture, but we can have conversations about them now. I think one of the biggest differentiating factors between a corporate con, like say, I mean, I can name cons. Right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. So like, say like a wizard world or a creation con versus a fan run con like Convergence or like you mentioned console room. It's like, I'll go to corporate cons. I mean, I'll go to any con. I love cons, but <laughs> I go to corporate cons to get something. Like, that's that's the full list. Like, I want to get an autograph. I want to find some cool merch or memorabilia. I want to get my picture taken in front of a really cool backdrop. But the only reason I go to a corporate con is like, oh, great, I can see Sam and Dean for the last time they're on a tour. Those kind of things. <laughs> that's the only reason that I, for me that I go to a corporate con. Now, I go to a fan con because I want to feel something. I want to learn something. I want to meet someone or some group. There's a much deeper, broader list of, of reasons why to come to a fan run con and, and that's reflected in not just the way the cons are organized and structured, the types of programming they offer, but also just the general vibe. Right. Like when you walk around a Wizard World con if you haven't been, you can definitely tell that it is there to make a profit. Period. Correct. Or maybe not period, but it's definitely Primarily. The, yes. Primarily. That is their primary goal. Right. First and foremost. And probably secondary and tertiary. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Whereas Convergence, I think they turn... I mean, they're definitely some enterprise type of endeavors. Like, they do have rooms where you can purchase things. They do have Artist Alley where you can purchase artist work. And we have dealer rooms. Right. Uh, but I even feel like there's a differentiation when we have the dealer rooms that are here. Like, I try and save up my dollars and my prize. You know, when, when I... You know, I'm... To that point now that I hope that everyone in this room can agree that you are blessed to the point that you and your friends and your family have enough things. Um, and so I, everybody's nodding right now. And so I am very fortunate, especially when we grew up always not having enough things, that we are now to the point that everyone has enough things. So instead of trading gift cards or swapping things that we can buy at a big box store, I try to come here and at least if I'm buying something in a dealer room, I'm talking to someone who knit this Ravenclaw scarf or created these trinkets and trash out of reusable, you know, things that they, they, they salvaged from someplace. At least I'm part of that storyline. And it's someone that I, you know, like one of my favorite vendors that's here um, on our, uh, in the dealer's room today are the Whimsy Wink people. And they make these little, these clay figurine dragons that I've been collecting for 15, 20, almost 20 years now. And it is one of those things where I see them here and I see them at other cons and I see them at the Renaissance Festival. So we have created this commonality and this, you know, we were we're con family and there's certain people that I'm like, oh, I may, I, you only see them once a year um, if they only go to this con because this is a pretty broad spectrum con here in the Twin Cities. And there's some of us that I'm like, oh, I see you at, at you're going to be at this Crypticon thing. I don't go to that one very often. Um, but, <laughs> but you can see the people that make the circuit, but then there's also people that this is their New Year's Eve. This is their, 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 their holiday special. This is their Christmas. This is their bar mitzvah. It's coming to con. And I appreciate that for people and being able to come here and go, wow, you put a lot of effort into that lazy Thor costume. I applaud you. <laughs> and I think that that's one of the things that's also charming about here is that, you know, and one of the things that I think, Taylor, that we really have noticed as, you know, as I've been coming here for, you know, over the years is that it really has become a place and it is not perfect yet, but you really can feel like this is a place where no one needs to feel like they're the weird one. 
we're out and about and when we're out left to the wild, you do you feel with that often. And now we have a space where you're like, nope, here's the slot that you can be part of. And here's the here's the 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 spot that you have gained and you've earned and you deserve to be part of this community. Absolutely. Just in regardless of what that slot is, it's most likely here, if not here in abundance and right. you know, multiple variations. Uh, it's it's really I mean, I use this term too much, but it is it's super groovy the way that <laughs> People interact. You almost have to go out of your way to be alone in convergence, especially because even if you do come to the con by yourself and you try to keep to yourself, there's little affirmations, there's little like outreach, all these little interactions where people are trying to bring you in. It is it's the opposite of most other experiences or collective gathering spaces out in the the, the real world, uh, where someone could just see a t-shirt, even if you're not in cost, you're wearing a clever t-shirt or something that reflects your fandom, that t-shirt is enough to spark a conversation that could then turn into a casual acquaintance, which turns to a friendship. I've heard so many stories about there are people who are picking up their future spouses and partners here. What which room is... did they go to? <laughs> 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 I had one of my friends go, did, did, are you, did you find anybody cute there? And I'm like, I'm not even looking. I'm just trying to figure out how to get to my next panel. So, <laughs> so I need to talk to those people. Because you know, I do think, though, know, that it is a matter of going, well, how do I find that commonality? And and that was one of the things that I am very happy that they've done here with Convergence because I remember when I first moved here, um, before it had actually turned into Convergence, I remember going to the the, the, the the prevailing geek group that was here in the Twin Cities when I first moved here, and they were not very inclusive. <laughs> they did not want me there. I clearly did not present geek enough in the way that they thought it should have been presented from somebody that thought that this was my commonality where I'm like, okay, I'm accustomed to not fitting in with whatever the standard norm is, but these should be my people. That was very off-putting to go, wait, even amongst the other gonzos, I'm not accepted that was very difficult, you know, for me when I first moved here. So I am really glad that now they are specifically working towards inclusion and working towards outreach and asking those questions and trying to figure out the appropriate ways to make this as broad spectrum and as welcoming as possible. And I think that moving downtown, as you said, Taylor, is a very a key step to being able to do that. Absolutely. And they're not, I would say, just to add to that, they're not just asking the questions, they're actually listening to the answers and letting the community kind of dictate where we move. They're providing more guidance as opposed to dictation and rules. There's almost no gatekeeping. Even from the panels themselves, the reason why, or probably one of the reasons why they are so varied is because they open up for panel suggestions. Like a lot of other cons that I've been to, there are tracks where you submit underneath pre-selected categories, and that's kind of what you're limited to. But Convergence, they just say, hey, if you have an idea for a panel, fill out this form. And right. that's kind of the only direction that you're given. <laughs> so you can just kind of go a little nuts. And, and it, it's a good thing, though, because then you get all kinds of fantastic panels. Because you'll go to some place dressed as a Starfleet officer from Star Trek, thinking, I'm going to go to all the Star Trek panels. And you see, like, oh, holy crap, they also have the Great British Baking Show. Like, exactly. I'm going to go check that out, too. Or he's like, I've never heard of what hentai is. What does that mean? Like, <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to be in this room anymore. <laughs> 
just sit in the back and soak it up. It'll be fine. Um, but I do appreciate that as well. And, 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 you know, a lot of what we do on this podcast and, and be our geek is, is showcasing that everybody has something that they love and taking that word geek and going, you know, and turning it on its head and going, everyone is a geek about something. That's something that we say all the time. And so being in this space and in a room that, you know, and in a hotel that in yeah, be good in time, you could have 6,000 members wandering through it, talking about whatever it is that makes them squee truly gives me joy and watching people go I'm like oh my gosh I thought I was the only one that watched that random anime and then I see somebody dressed up as a character is really one of the things that you can get in a place like this and to see a variety of you know I I really I I am not a cosplayer I am much too Lazy. I have no better word for it. <laughs> no better word than I am much to. I make all kinds of plans on I'm going to look like this, and none of it happens. None. So to be here and to see people that are like going through their phone and going, here's all the iterations that I did of this costume. <laughs> and even to see Taylor, because I saw, when I saw, when I ran into you yesterday, I'm like, how many costumes you got this year? And how many did you say? Uh, I've only got six this year. Six. Six. <laughs> Six costumes. And usually they are some variation, because I know I ran into you at con- console room when you were George R.R. R. Martin. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> You're like, yay! So what are the six costumes you plan on doing at, at Convergence this uh, year? So I've already done Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, earlier this morning I was Captain Daly from the Black Mirror episode uh, USS Callister. Uh, I'm currently Ben Sisko from the Star Trek series Deep Space Nine. Uh, I was planning on doing Benny Russell, who is also a character from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Tomorrow I'll be doing Luke Cage from both the comic and the TV show. A nice little mashup. It's a hybrid <laughs> character. Uh, and then later that evening I'll also be doing Injudaka, who is also known as Killmonger from Black Panther. But the throne room scene, because it gets really hot outside. And I've, <laughs> I've done the full Killmonger armor at previous convergences. But I was like, wait, I can just wear a black robe and like cool fangs? I'm totally doing that. Uh, and pasties to, to stay. Okay, do your pasties. Yes, alive. do your pasties. And then also think. Jack Burton from the 80s film Big Trouble in Little China. Ah, well done. I, like Some people just had some <laughs> aha moments out in our audience. Um, the other thing that I really enjoy about seeing uh, people here at Con is that they have really worked on making it a, at least as much as possible, a family-inclusive space. And not all cons are like that. And I know that for a long time, it was all about the party rooms and how drunken you could get at <laughs> night. And as a friend, a, a, as a person who is a fan of a cocktail, it was even too much for me um there were a number of years where i'm like i'm tapping out you know at night i'm not doing it so to at least you know during the day to have these spaces and to be able to see families like a number of the photos that i put uh that i was taking were of can i take a picture of you and your adorable kids that you the whole family would dress up and we would see all of the characters or to see you know a young girl or a young boy showcasing their creativity and their watching them light up about it. And that is the other reason why I like going to cons like this and making them a space for everybody and why a lot of what I end up, you know, evangelizing is allowing new fans to enjoy things. And I think that sometimes as geeks, we're not as always open to that. Like, I'm one of the few people that likes to throw cannon out the window quite often because I think that sometimes it stifles the creativity of new fans because we go, no, you didn't like this when it started, so you're not allowed to like it anymore. And so that, you know, now that we are working on really going, no, 
young kids can like all these things as well. Like you talked about Miles Morales. One of my favorite movies, of course, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because I think that it did show a new... You know, one is just a fantastic movie, whether you're super into like animated films or not. I thought it was flawless. I thought it was very, you know, is it's now officially and I'm I'm a movie behind. I am like we've been here. I asked Taylor if he had seen the new Spider-Man movie far, uh, far from home. Neither of us have had a chance yet. We'll have to do it after the con. So don't worry. Nobody's going to spoil that because we didn't see it. Um, Spider-Man's in it. Yeah. I guess that's a spoiler. What? That's a spoiler. Peter Parker is (laughs) Spider-Man. Boom. Somebody walked out. See, Taylor, look at you. But I do think that when you have properties like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, it does showcase why characters like Spider-Man were so important because of the way that he was constructed and because of the mask and all of those things. It was one of the characters that was immediately accessible to so many people in the fandom because anybody could project onto that character and really see it. Absolutely, and that's, I think you hit the nail on the head, the accessibility. I know a lot of fans from my generation and, and older, from our generation, mm-hmm. they do get into this gatekeeping mindset, this sort of like they want to be real-life versions of the comic book guy on The Simpsons, and I'm the opposite. I love the, I would have killed to have as many big-budget, well-made, quality superhero movies and quality superhero television shows and science fiction properties. Like, there really isn't, like, geek, because when I was coming up as a geek, there that was not it, and we went to a lot of really bad, poor-quality right movies if we got a tv show it was just sort of like well you got to look past the special effects <laughs> or maybe this actor's not great but you get the gist of the story so i love the fact that like marvel really is that is what action movies are right it's every superhero is known and like, if you had said iron man in 2007 people would say oh cool i like black sabbath too <laughs> you know? and you're like no not what i meant at all <laughs> so the accessibility is i, I love it i relish in it um, my biggest problem i think is just getting too excited and when you're my size and you're like coming up to a kid <laughs> you're like oh my god you're a tiny loki he's like what the hell <laughs> But that can be a little scary, so I try to rein that in. But those you are need to get down to their level and move right. slower. That's, That's how it super works. Cute. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite con moments, if I can share that a little bit. Why yes. I, I love Convergence or how I knew that Convergence was home was my very first Convergence. Uh, the first night, they had the dance party night. Yes. And a lot of people stayed in costume to go dance, which one – Geeks dancing is the greatest thing ever. Right. Uh, because, and geeks dancing in costume is fantastic. But then there was, not only was there. I always try to remind, yeah. remind them, at least leave one foot on the ground at a time. Yes. It's when both feet come up simultaneously that things go awry. So I'm just, that's a dance tip for all of the geeks out there. Absolutely. Um, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, but there was an organic dance fight that occurred in the middle <laughs> of the dance floor, which by itself would have been fantastic. Right. Because two people were dancing, not looking at each other, bumped into each other. And turned around and immediately started a dance fight. Battle! Now, now, the fact that one of these people was cosplaying Optardis Prime, which was the TARDIS as a Transformer, and the other was Big Bird, just made that even better. Right, right. It was fantastic. And then the very next day, uh, at the old hotel, there was like a big space, the atrium, where everyone kind of congregate and meet, and you can see all, all the people. And there were two very, very young kids, probably couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. One was cosplaying as Loki, the other was cosplaying as Thor, and they were just running around being kids until at one point... Loki laid down for some reason, and Thor, being sneaky, walked over and put Molnir on <laughs> Loki's chest. And this little kid's like, oh, no, and pretended that he couldn't get up. <laughs> that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. You're like, I'm in heaven. <laughs> I agree. And I do think that there are lots of those moments and you know, that you could sit there and go, oh, my gosh, this can only happen here. Or you know, it, when you get to go back, and, and I think that most of us, you know, and Taylor, you and I are, are similar age, where what we're doing at this point is we're trying to collect stories to tell each other when we're in the home. Um, and so, you know, and that's what life is about night. Cause eventually you can't take everything with you, but you can collect stories and hopefully we are 
creating stories that have enough of a footprint and enough of a life that eventually we won't mind that we're a little forgetful and we say it over and over and over again. So I, <laughs> my whole thing is that I want the story to be so good and so memorable that even if I forget it and tell it to you again, you're like, that's okay, cool. I'm good with that. And, and you do get those shining moments. I think that I've had, you know, it, it, you know, I remember like the, you know, when you've been coming to these cons and, and now we just had some people I know that actually work in, you know, some of the behind the scenes things. And I think that everybody can tell these stories about, you know, especially when you're at a volunteer driven con like this one. Um, that so much of the emotion and the background blood, sweat, and tears are by people who don't have to do this. <laughs> so I try to remind people that when things aren't perfect, and I have to remind myself this too, that I'm like, this is somebody's passion, not their job. So don't we have to give them a little bit more license in whether things are not quite perfect all the time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact that they're, you hit them on the head, the fact that they're, it's a volunteer-run con, but they put up with the same stresses and issues and problems and headaches as a corporate con. We were at Fan Fusion, mm -hmm. I think it was just last summer. That's a, it was a corporate con, and the amount of headaches and issues they had, and they were getting paid to deal with that. And it was significantly smaller than Convergence, so the idea that people will do something that's like five, ten times bigger for no compensation, just purely out of the love and the passion, that, that buys them a lot of leeway. Right. I think um, the, uh, the you know, other, as we are continuing to uh, build this con, what are the other things that you would go, okay, this is on my wish list as we grow? <laughs> you look scared, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I know it's been whispered for at least the few years that I've been going, but it would be lovely if instead of four days, it was maybe seven. Oh. <laughs> I just saw some people start cringing. Why are you okay with seven? Because I go to the state fair every year, and I feel like that's too long. Like, why? what would we do for seven days? Oh, so much more. Or even kind of like if we went out of – because I think Convergence is evolving past, like, the traditional con is getting more into, like, the, the – it is a festival. Correct. So we could model ourselves after something like maybe, like, South by Southwest or Telluride, oh, okay. where we have full days worth of programming, 24 hours a day, seven to 10, 14 days a week. You are an ambitious over. man. <laughs> you are an ambitious man, but Mr. But doing Cisco. the deep dives, I think one of the biggest, I, I won't say critiques, but one of the things that I wish there was more of was just like deeper dives into like tracks. Like there are so many panels that I've both been on and also been in the audience of where I'm like, that was fantastic, but then the hour's up, and that's kind of it. And I do follow the, the speakers that are interesting and engaging, but it'll be lovely to just like, all right, we'll come around for round two, or we're going to take a quick break because this is going to be our two-hour panel on X. Or this is going to be, we're going to do a live film critique with these panelists. So instead of just talking in the theoretical or speculative of what could be good or what they did like or didn't like about a certain property, they could do that in real time. Uh, or even just for fun, they could riff track it. And just be like, you know what, this property sucked, and now we're going to make fun of it, and you all get to watch. <laughs> I have done that at some other cons, and I do enjoy it when you do uh, a, a view along and to be able to do that real time. So I could see that I, I, I'm on board with that one. Okay, so our friend Rick just walked into the room and had a very complex thing. So, Rick, you need to come up here. No, yes, yeah, that's what you get for speaking up. This is a podcast, so if you're going to say something, you need to say it into a mic that I can then record. Don't walk slow like a little old man. Come up here. Can we get a round of applause for our friend Rick Schneider? Okay, Rick, go ahead and sit down. 
that mic should be plugged in. So, Rick, first of all, I met Rick and his lovely wife, Sharon, uh, a number of years ago uh, at a Chris Hardwick show of all places. And we've just stayed friends because you meet friends in the weirdest places and they still hang out with me. So thank you very much, Rick. So, and Rick is actually one of the people that is uh, responsible for, like, shuttling around the convergence guests of honor for everybody that's out here. So he's the one that has to deal with all the true divas, not the mini divas <laughs> like Taylor Sisko and I. Right, Rick? Well, I have some stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, you brought up 4-H. So what is your theory on what should we do with the 4-H? Well, I was thinking if he's going to go one week, we can do a whole thing of uh, planting crops. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a uh, full cycle, and we can get some sci-fi things going with that. Yeah, so that's very Martian of you. Okay, we could do that. Forget that. When you brought up 4-H, I immediately went to llamas, and I was like, why does Rick want llamas at Convergence? But I like the crop idea better. Well, I think that's a better question. Why don't you want llamas? I, llamas are not all... They are a lady who has some llamas. (laughs) Llamas are awesome in spurts, and then they spit, and then they're gross. (laughs) Got to think. Has anybody actually hung out with a llama? Yes. Exactly. Anybody that's not, they are occasionally unfriendly beasts. That's right. Yeah, and they're like, it's like people who, you can't always be friends with llamas. Llamas go rogue. They Um, have a really good press corps. They do. The llama press people. They're oversold. They're oversold. (laughs) Those and the bee people. I need their PR people kind of thing. If the wasp people had the bee people, we would Mm. not be spraying wasps. That would work. So, I mean, you uh, are surviving so far, Mr. Snyder. I am glad that you are here. Thank you very much for actually having some time to hang out with us. Yeah, my my way of doing con was being the uh, uh, crutch for one of our talent people. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Now you get to hang out. So, Rick, uh, uh, I don't know if you knew this about my good friend, um, Taylor Sisko. So, as I was introducing Taylor, um, and some of the people in the room probably are familiar with this. So, Taylor, we know that you are a, uh, one of our, um, our uh, independent authors here. At, and so, you have three books, right? Uh, this is my fifth. That's fifth? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how did I miss yeah. that? Okay. So, let's tell everybody about all so five books now, please. Ooh. Uh, so yes, the first book is Teleportality that was started because my background is actually television broadcasting and I had an idea for a female character that was not like other characters I had seen before uh, and it kept getting turned down and for 13 years I was shopping around to different networks and different producers and finally I was like, you know what, I have enough material here, I should just put this in the book and it did well enough that I decided I should do another book and, and then another, which was, well the second book was Dragon Variation, which is a lot of fun. It's probably my most popular title, just because it's got the most straightforward title, until my recent book, which I'll get to in a second, because mm-hmm. you'll see my titles get a little bit crazy. My third book is The Preternaturalist, which was my somewhat cynical take, because every sci-fi property is about the end of the world. we got to save the world. Have you met the world? <laughs> so the whole premise of The Preternaturalist is if you had the power to save the world, considering things like racism, sexism, homotransphobia, would you really want to use that power to save it? Uh, the fourth one uh, is called Shadow of a Valley, which usually my other works are Afrofuturistic or in the Afrofuturism genre. This was more Afro-horror. and an an- It started as an anthology, but I linked them together. Basically, it's like, what if myself and my knucklehead friends from high school had to go fight demons? Uh, and the difference being that it's written from the sort of black church experience, because I love horror as a genre, especially supernatural horror, but so much of it that we get in mainstream media is written from the Catholic dogma. Mm-hmm. And... 
Yeah. I was like, I grew up in the black church, Southern, going to revivals. Right. They believe in a lot of the same stuff. It's just their way of dealing with it is way different. And I yes. thought way more interesting, or not more interesting, but also interesting. And I hadn't seen that story told. And then my fifth book, which I have here at Convergence this year, we doing some readings and signings and things like that. I was told by a friend that my titles can be a little pretentious, uh, if not overly articulate. I was not that friend, but I concur. <laughs> yes. Well, the working title during the draft was The Perspicacious Rise of Jabari. And everybody said no. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so a very lovely friend of your mine. Your wife, your children, your friends everyone, all said no. Everyone said, that's not good. But a lovely friend of mine who I actually met at a con, Karina, said, well, what's the book about? And I said, well, the book's about these big-ass aliens that come terrorize Minneapolis. She's like, we said it again. It's like, it's about these big-ass aliens that, it's like, that's your title. I was like, big you want aliens. me to name the book Big-Ass Aliens? <laughs> I'm going to name this book. So my fifth book is Big ass aliens. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Is that yeah. one available on Amazon yet? Where do we get that, that other on, than uh, yours? Yes, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I believe Moon Palace Books uh, over in South Minneapolis will be carrying copies as well. Wonderful. The other thing that I like to remind people about my good friend Taylor Cisco is not only is he an author and a trivia host here in town, so if you ever need to like, get all of the cheat codes on trivia, talk to Taylor Cisco, but he is also our local Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, and so. <laughs> He hates that I call it that, but it sums it up well. Um, I like Tootie and the Blowfish. And so do you want to explain to everybody why I say that? Uh, so uh, because it's country adjacent. Correct. Oh. <laughs> he I makes am. it complicated, but he has a band, and his band is fantastic, and he goes under the pseudonym Trey Aaron with his band, and you can see them perform all over the Twin Cities, and they have a show that's coming up in August, right? Yes. Yes, we do a lot of, it's summertime, so we do a lot of outside shows. We play the Red, White, and Boom, Minneapolis' 4th of July, Spectacular the Fireworks. Uh, we're doing a lot of the Music in the Park series, so I think our next show is in August at the Minnehaha Falls Pavilion. Outside, free, bringing the kids, it's all, it's, it's a good time. We're going to play two of your songs. Oh, I'm going to play part of it. Because I always like this one, and this is not going to So tell everybody what song this is to Holden, because I'm a big YouTube nerd, and as far as I'm concerned, Ireland is a country, thus YouTube is a country band. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. They have cows in Ireland, I think. So if they have cows in Ireland, and they have boys in Ireland, it's not that far of a stretch to have Irish cowboys. Or you have male cows. It does have that very YouTube vibe. See, everyone, that is the one I like. Now, the one that he said that that he okayed for me to play, that I I, I agree, but this is the second. Love this one. Yes, spare motion. Turn to your neighbors, the neighbor. Stop laughing. I am like showcasing your amazing talent, and you're laughing too. Hello, it came to pass. This one is Shakespeare, right? which is a little more overtly country. Yes, and also because Shakespeare is from Stratford upon Avon, which is located in the country. <laughs> See? See why he's too clever for his own good? Well, also, there's not a lot of country songs with direct Shakespearean references in the lyrics, and I think that was something that was severely lacking in the genre. Here we go, everyone. I see some toes back. Show me all this garden that you hear. There's another way to go. 
always super impressed that you managed to do so many things and I know that you also have a family you have all kinds of things that you're working on and so I do honestly as your friend applaud you for all that you managed to accomplish so thank you very much for all of the work that you do I appreciate all of that stuff um, so remind everybody again uh, what is the best website for us to find you on if we want to support you uh, the best website in general honestly it would be Facebook okay because that has uh, sort of the gateway to all the, the other endeavors, but just Facebook.com slash Taylor Cisco. Zuckerberg. Yes. <laughs> or Black Intellectual, which is blackintl.com. So that's a list of all my, my, my writings and work. There are quite a few websites. TreyAaron.com, T-R-E-A-A-R-O-N.com. And then polkadotstudios.com, which is polkadot, one word, dash studios.com. And that's all the television programs and things of that nature that I produce. Well, I do always appreciate you helping me out um, and being a recurring guest on our podcast. That is always fantastic. And Rick, we are going to have to have you back when you actually have a life. And that'll be great. Because I don't think I've known you since you've had a life. So I'm very excited. I will will do what I can. (laughs) I appreciate that. Looking forward to it. For everybody that is listening, you can always be part of our Be Our Geek community by going to our website. You can go to BeOurGeek.com. You can also find us on Facebook at BeOurGeekShowMN. And we always encourage you to email us as well. That is BeOurGeek at gmail.com. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, we appreciate you doing that. And to both of you gentlemen, I appreciate you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your and we will see everybody next time. I know we dance. (laughs) (laughs) To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.